And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com. We cover Bucks, uh, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I am Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Linda Stein does the day-to-day hardcore journalism as she cracks the whip in our uh, Delaware Valley uh, newsroom. How are you today, Linda? I'm great, Michael, and I am so glad that this heat wave ended. Well, all I want to say is I overheard some conversation with you involving vacation, and I have said nothing about any vacation time. We, you know, because there's tough times out there, you know. So, look at the calendar. <laughs> well, it is tough times out there. It's uh, it, it the, there's a red hot political campaign going on, and while the uh, Senate race, U.S. Senate race, gets a lot of the headlines, people watching every word spoken by Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. And while the governor's race is red hot, lots of debates about the uh, political views of State Senator Doug Mastriano. We try to keep an eye on the local races impacting families and businesses right here in the Delaware Valley. One of those races involves State Representative Tracy Pennecook, who is running for State Senate Representative. Welcome to the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. And I just want to do this one time on the record for audio. Your last name is pronounced Penny Cook. Got it. Okay. Nice, nice and easy. It doesn't look nearly that easy when I look at your resume, which includes all kinds of stuff, including United States Army combat veteran. Yeah. Uh, and uh, served on as a Black Hawk pilot. She's how do you not just like punch everybody who annoys you in Harrisburg? <laughs> um, I think that comes with maturity. Um <laughs> The 20- I, I skipped that. I just totally avoided that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it comes with maturity and age. Well, I do want to ask though, uh, serving combat tours in Iraq, Afghanistan, desert storm, how does that influence how you view the you know, less than direct legislative process? Some would say the Byzantine impossible to figure out. You've got to be kidding me. What are we doing here at two in the morning legislative process? How does it help or hurt you? having this military background? You know, it is frustrating to see the process um, drawn out in the bureaucracy of the process because, you know, in combat, you're you're given limited amount of time, limited amount of resources and intelligence to go um, and do your mission. And you have to do a lot of compromising and a lot of um, communicating. The legislative process is not as clear cut and there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of influence along the way. Um, But you work, you learn how to work with people, you learn about um, the process and how to maximize efficiencies within the process. Representative, what do you like best about serving the legislature? Um, You know, I'll tell you what I like the best is I, I like the impact that you see in people's lives. Um, I love to hear constituents come in with their issues and I like to see the resolution that we can bring them. I like the, the ideas that people have for new legislation. Um, and I like to see it get across the finish line. And what do you think is, uh, your most, uh, important accomplishment that you're most proud of? I had a bill that was just recently signed by the governor. It was um, House Bill 2039, and it's a victim's advocacy bill that allows victims to have input into the bail um, modifications of a defendant. And while that doesn't sound very sexy and exciting, um, it enables a victim of a violent crime or a crime against a child to input 
in his or her, her feelings into the judge um, relevant facts. And it was brought to me by a constituent whose neighbor um, was arrested on child porn. And oh my, very serious allegations. And when they were doing a forensic audit of his computer, their child was on his computer. Well, he was released on bond back to his house, which was right next door to a child he had been victimizing. So that was traumatic for the family. And the family felt if they could have said to the judge, look, our daughter is a victim and we live right next door to this person, they felt that the judge would have made a different determination for bail and um, appropriate restrictions on his bail. And I really agreed with the family and I felt like that empowers the victim in the process rather than them being kind of put aside and silent as the defendant goes through the process of um, the justice system. So I'm really glad it's across the finish line. I hope it will empower victims um, as part of their healing process. And you've tried to uh, help veterans too, right? I have. Um, I'm a strong advocate for veterans. Um, I, I spent a couple of years as the director of veterans affairs and um, here in Montgomery County. And um, we all say that we're supportive of victims or excuse me, of veterans, but it doesn't always translate. And, and one of the things that wasn't translating was the um, pension for blind and paralyzed veterans, that stipend paid by the um, state of Pennsylvania to those blind and paralyzed veterans had not been increased in 23 years. So we have worked on legislation to not only get it increased um, in today's dollars, but also tie it to the consumer price index so that we never have to legislatively go back and adjust it for those veterans. And I understand you're also an advocate for small government, but how does that factor in in you wanting to serve uh, in the government making laws? <laughs> so uh, I will tell you, I, I'm a firm believer in small government. And uh, part of that reasoning comes behind the fact that in the last 22 years, um, our state government has increased in size by 133%, but our population growth has only been 4%. Um, and one of the things that um, I like to put my money where my mouth is, is I do not take a pension from the state. Um, most lawmakers are entitled to a, a pension, a state pension after 10 years of service. And I've served 26 years in the military and I earn that pension. And I don't believe doing anything for 10 years earns you a pension. So I, I do not take the pension from the state. I think it's unfair to the taxpayer to... Um, burden them with having to pay for a pension for me. I also would like to see more efficiencies in government. Um, just because we've done it one way for the last 50 years doesn't mean it's the most efficient way to do it today. I also think that over time we, we create these redundancies of bureaucracy that are unnecessary and add no value to the process. Um, and I think we need to be very critical of our state government and what we are providing to our constituents. We need to be there as the fabric of our society, but we do not need to be there um, as a burden to taxpayers. So we, we had uh, uh, Senator Bob Minchon just the other day for a podcast. Okay. He, you know how hard it is to get him to speak out. He's so shy and retiring <laughs> and reticent. I think uh, it's a requirement for the 20. What, what was that political term he used to describe Senator Muth? Uh, Linda, well, we don't want to say, share it here. But anyway, uh, there was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of attention there, partially in the area of energy policy. And um, one of the things the arguments is uh, goes is 
Energy is a great issue for Republicans in the western part of the state, maybe in the middle or northern part of the state. It's a lousy issue for Republicans in the southeastern corner in the Delaware Valley because of the fights over the various pipelines and because there are a lot of people who uh, embrace, embrace green and who they claim they're actually willing to pay more for, for their energy. Now, we polled and we found that only about 15% of the people in Pennsylvania were willing to pay more than $10 a month extra to save the earth, which is a pretty small number. The, the other 85% weren't either willing to do nothing or pay less than that. But uh, where do you think, if as a state senator, obviously this is going to be an, an issue you have to address with, what's the right way for Pennsylvania to approach the energy issue and the climate change issue? Well, I'll tell you, um, I love those far left that they're all in for solar and they're all in for wind turbines, um, but yet they're driving a gas-powered vehicle. Um, it, it can't be all or nothing. It's right. like a three-legged stool. We need to have um, fossil fuels and we need to look at renewable energies, but we need a balanced approach. We have nuclear, we have um, coal powered, but you know the Biden administration right now wants everyone to buy a, an electric vehicle. We don't have the infrastructure to be able to power those electric vehicles, nor do consumers have the money right now with 40-year um, high inflation to buy an electric vehicle. So it's unrealistic. But on the same side of that issue, we can do more. We can group our, our trips to the store and our errands into one run and save on gas. We can turn our thermostats up. So maybe it's not at 70, it's at 72 in the summer. Um, maybe put on an extra sweater in the winter. Because the reality is we are going to be facing some serious energy bills come the fall when it cools down and our seniors and our low income earners are going to be struggling. I also uh, want to ask you about, you know, uh, politics, not to be political in an election cycle, but uh, the um, uh, the district you're in includes you know, Montgomery County, which is one of the more blue parts of the state. The good news for you is that the registered voters in your specific district, Republicans still have about a four or five point margin. But are you concerned at all about the uh, impact that having uh, State Senator Doug Mastriano at the top of the ticket could have? Are you concerned about the return of Donald Trump as a central part of the conversation, given how poorly uh, former President Trump did in your part of the state in 2020 and how relatively poorly Senator Mastriano did in the Republican primary in your part of the state as well. Well, I, I'm not really focused on the top of the ticket, to be really honest with you. I'm focused on local politics. I'm focused on the 24th. Um, that's where I'm focused. Um, I look at the top of the ticket. I think the primary was a disaster. We had what nine people running, 17 people running. I think everyone but my mother was running. Um, so it, it kind of became a very skewed um, race. But I'm, I'm honestly not focusing at the top of the ticket. Um, I know they're out doing their campaign stuff, but I'm really focused on um, the 24th and the issues that the constituents of the 24th face. Um, I don't want to say that they're so far above me that it doesn't matter because it does matter, but I'm really focused on my race right now. 
Representative, you said you were out knocking on doors recently, uh, even though there was a heat wave. Uh, what, did, uh, <laughs> what did people tell you is their most important concern? I do ask at every door, I do ask what their top you know, concerns are. And inflation is by far the number one concern. And energy costs, gas prices, grocery prices. Um, and then second to all of the economic issues, our election integrity, schools. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. And I hear that repeatedly that people are very concerned about what we're gonna be looking at for energy costs in the fall as you know, home heating oil starts to be, play into an issue. You know, We are gonna be looking at higher electric prices this month. So we think people are very, very concerned about their paychecks. They're very concerned about their dollar not going as far. School's going to be starting and school fees are going to be coming up, you know, school uniforms, school supplies, back to school clothes, you know, it all adds up. And for a young family that's just starting out, you know, those little blips in the radar are huge blips in the radar. They're not little. Um, and when you start looking at what you have to give up in order to just cover the basics, that's concerning. We should be looking at an economy that is booming um, and we have just struggling to bounce back from COVID and we've got to do everything we can to help our economy, our small businesses and our families bounce back. Uh, what do you think the impact is already concerning Governor Wolf uh, adding Pennsylvania to that regional uh, greenhouse gas initiative, Reggie? Do you think that's part of why our electricity bills are going to be shooting to the moon? Oh, absolutely. It's a cap and trade program, and, and we are absolutely going to be paying up to 42% more for electric because he unilaterally decided to join with our neighboring states in this program. The reality is, he didn't ask anybody, he just did it. And that's not how Pennsylvania works. He just bypasses the legislature when he wants to do something. Um, and the taxpayers are gonna pay for that. And I hope every time anyone opens their electric bill and goes, holy moly, look at my, my increase, they remember that that's, thank you, Governor Wolf. I wanna ask you about um, the, uh, what for some voters is the number one issue since the uh, Supreme Court ruling on the Dobbs case, which is abortion. When you go to someone's door and you knock on their door and they ask, you know, where are you on abortion? What do you tell them? Well, I, I have had that several times at the door, um, both not understanding Senate Bill 106, which I'll explain in a minute, and also what my position is. And, and I'll, I'll tell anyone who asks, I'm pro-life, but I'm pro-life with exceptions. I, I believe in abortion for the life of the mother, um, rape and incest. But more importantly than that, I think, is a conversation that's difficult to have is abortion should never be used as birth control. And no man or woman should ever be in a position where they have to have an abortion because they had, did not have access to birth control. In Montgomery County, you can actually call the Department of Health and they will send you birth control um, through the mail, barrier birth control through the mail. And I think that's, an, uh, kind of part of the bigger conversation, but I, I never want to see um, abortion be used as birth control. I'm of the age, and I you'll definitely be able to tell my age, when the advertisement was abortion is going to be safe, legal, and rare. And I think that's where we need to go back to. I also feel like even my very adamant pro-choice friends 
are very much willing to have a conversation about what an appropriate limit is. Um, I firmly believe 24 weeks is past the age of viability. I think we need to look at what age of gestation is appropriate. Um, and then my, my last comment, and, and probably because I'm military and don't take direction well, but I don't like being told by a man what's best for me. Um, I am a very smart woman and I, I don't like government getting into my business as crazy as that sounds. And I would like this conversation to be less politicized and more rational conversation. And I would like the women of the Commonwealth to lead the conversation. That sounds like a good policy there, letting the women lead, right? I, that's where I think we I think we would see great success and I think we would have a meeting of the minds and I think that you would see a lot more conversation um, when one is screaming one is not listening. I'm sorry I was too busy screaming I didn't hear that last part could you. <laughs> Could you? No, I'm kidding. But listen, we enjoyed having you on uh, the uh, Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Greatly appreciated. And we, uh, of course, are going to extend an invitation to your opponent, Jill Denon, to see if she'd like to join us and chat about the election as well. But uh, good luck out. Good luck out on the campaign trail. Oh, thank you so much. You guys have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.